You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Empire. Play Fantasy Baseball Show with D. Mindy. Little Cheesecake and Doc starts now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Empire Media and the Empire Media Podcast Network. D. Mindy here, joined by my friend, the guy who thinks he's Vinny from Jersey Shore. It's Eric Mendelson, a.k.a. The Doc. What's going on? What do you mean, think? All right, I am Vinny from Jersey Shore. If you haven't seen a picture of me, that's you're giving away what I'm going to be for Halloween. Uh, I don't think you look anything alike besides your haircut. Uh, I mean, we're both studs. We're both smooth with older women. I'm not Italian, but we both dress nicely. Are you keto? No, you're not keto. So there's nothing uh, Hey, you maybe I am. Do you have a beard? I have more facial hair than you. That's all that matters. That's, that's, that's not my question. I'm asking, do you have a beard? Vinny didn't have a beard on Jersey Shore, okay? He does now. All right, well, Vinny's like 10 years older than me. Give me 10 years and I'll get a beard. I don't think you're growing what he's growing. Um, but, of course, uh should be a fun show because we're not talking about Jersey Shore. So sorry for the people that uh don't like that show or are turned off already from that talk. But we've got a fun episode. We've got an old man's game. They say sports are a young people's game, but not so fast. Sometimes... You can have those ageless, wily veterans who seem to just always seem to get the job done. And today we're looking at nine players over the age of 35 who've had various successes in the 2021 fantasy baseball season and seeing how we project them for 2022. And if we can see uh, or identify any tangible changes they've been making this year, make sure to stay tuned for that. It's going to be a fun show. After we go to our bullpen for a question of the week, which player retires after the season and you're not allowed to use Albert Pujols? And our game of the week coming in to shut the door. So if you guys are ready to get another episode started, then man, we're here to do it for you. Let's do it! Yeah! That was lack of enthusiasm, David. Disappointed! So I'm, I'm exhausted. I've been working on a lot of stuff for, uh, for Triple Play, so I have a little lack of energy I'll pick up when the show starts uh, with our special guest. That uh, I did not tell you guys yet, but I will tell you when we finish the news and notes. So, uh, but to news and notes, the Brewers announced they placed right-hander Freddie Peralta on the 10-day IL due to a right shoulder inflammation. Peralta left last night's start against the Cardinals after just two innings due to shoulder discomfort. Now, he downplayed the issue post-game, telling reporters last night he's expected to make his next scheduled start. That's obviously not going to be the case, and there is no indication he'll require much, if any more time, than the minimal 10 days on the shelf. Obviously, if you're a Freddie Peralta owner, you're not freaking out yet. You're holding. I would assume that obviously they're going to make sure they rest him a little bit because they want to limit his innings anyway for the playoff run. 
They have a nice cushion in the AL or the NL Central. So I would think maybe he's going to miss more than one start for that reason. But if you have Freddie Peralta, you're not dropping him. Obviously, he's been an absolute stud this year. I'd expect him, my guess is he's going to miss two starts. And then he'll be back uh, to give you what you need down the stretch. So just hold tight. We should be calling you, Doc. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, that's just my guess. Assuming that they want to limit his innings, give him more than just the the 10 days on the shelf, obviously. Uh, so I'm thinking two starts, maybe comes back shortly after that the 10 days. But we'll see what happens. That's just my prediction. Doc Dimendio, too. The Reds placed outfielder Jesse Winker on the 10-day IL today for the team. The Blue Jays are placing outfielder George Springer on the 10-day IL with a sprain left knee. Springer has been diagnosed with a grade one sprain in that knee. And while it's encouraging that he's dealing with a low-grade sprain, it's still not clear when the Blue uh, Blue Jays expect him to be able to return to the field. It's obviously a major blow to the Blue Jays, who, particularly given the lack of timeline on Springer's return, they're not being very open what they expect he's going to be back. You remember, though, he did sign a franchise record six-year, $150 million contract with the Jays over the winter, and he spent a lot of this year on the IL prior to this quadricep strain. And uh, if you have... George Springer on your roster has been very frustrating to say the least, but when he's been on the field in those 49 games and 211 plate appearances, he's posted a respectable 269, 362, 610 batting line with 16 homers, 12 doubles, a triple, and a pair of steals. So um, just hang tight right now. I know if you're a Springer over, you're very angry. Blue Jays are fighting for a playoff spot, so they want him back in there. So um, just hang tight. Watch how that process plays out. Potential good discount next year. Yeah, I think as long as he's healthy, he's going to produce. I'm, I expect he'd probably take a couple round hit from his injuries this year. Uh, but can't talk about injuries without talking about what we saw at Guaranteed Rate Field on Tuesday evening as Athletics right-hander Chris Bassett was carted off the field after being struck on the side of his head by a comeback line drive off the bat of White Sox outfielder Brian Goodwin. It had a 100-mile-per-hour exit velocity. Now, the Athletics announced that Bassett received stitches for two facial lacerations and was diagnosed with a displaced tripod fracture in his right cheek that's going to uh, require surgery. They're saying he's going to be out six weeks minimum right now. Uh, So he's obviously not going to help contribute for your fantasy seasons down the stretch. Now, I know, Doc, you're a big Chris Bassett fan. What were your thoughts about this? I mean, first of all, my heart just went out because, like, you know, you see the comeback like it you see him just drop right away. Imagine a hundred miles per hour off your face. I mean, everybody that knows me knows I'm the biggest Chris Bassett fan, but I'm just sorry for what he has to deal with. I mean, you can't imagine how much that hurts. And he was having a potential Cy Young campaign. Somebody that was really under the radar was, I think, leading the AL in wins. And now he's not going to have a chance to finish the season. You hope he comes back for the playoffs. And Hopefully there's nothing long-term about this. It's scary when you have these head injuries. The fact that he's going to have surgery, that he, he sustained a fracture at some part of his face. You know, fantasy and all of that aside, you just hope he makes a full recovery. Yeah. Again, this is a fantasy show, obviously. We're very sorry to Chris Bassett. Obviously, I'm glad we, we're glad he's okay. But uh, for the fantasy side of things, he won't be pitching for your fantasy squads for the rest I, of the I had season. to cut him from my squads. Do you know how hard that was? I'm sure it was. I, I, I literally spent two minutes on the, are you sure you want to drop him? I mean, it's like saying goodbye to a kid when they go off to college. It's just like there's no turning back. Yeah, a very sad day for you, it sounds like. So uh, sorry you had to do that. But uh, some one bit of positive news for David Dahls. He was signed 
by the Brewers to a minor league contract and was assigned to AAA. He's batted only 210, 247, 322 slash in 2021. So uh, a very low risk deal for the Brewers for someone that used to have very high prospect pedigree. And he had a, a huge upside when he was with the Rockies after his rookie season. So uh, we'll see what happens with David Dahl. An MRI has revealed a partial UCL tear in Joe Ross's right elbow. And Ross will need to undergo Tommy John surgery. So Davey Martinez told reporters he's not going to pitch again this season, but they expressed hope he would be ready for the spring of 22 campaign, uh, the spring training of 2022. But honestly, I'm totally out on Joe Ross next year. This literally, to me, sounds like it's putting off the inevitable. I hate when there's anything that says anything with the UCL tear and they don't get the Tommy John surgery. I think they're literally, you see this all the time. They try to delay it and then they never end up being healthy. It's just going to carry weight into next season. And for Joe Ross's sake, that's probably going to mean that he's going to miss all of 2022, um, if that's the case. So I'm, I'm not. This news, I feel so bad for Joe Ross, who's really looked like he's kind of uh, righted the ship recently and was going to be a big part of the Nationals' rotation next year. I'm very pessimistic that he's going to be around for the long term in 2022. Yeah, it's real. I mean, he's already had Tommy John once. I think they just want to see if they can do anything to delay it. But as we saw with Tyler Glass now, like they did a couple months of rehab. It didn't work. And now he has to have Tommy John. Yeah. So very pessimistic on Joe Ross's outlook there. Dodgers are signing Shane Green to a major league deal. (laughs) (laughs) The Braves announced this morning they've activated Oscar Enoa. Or I'm sorry, they a couple days ago announced they've activated Oscar Enoa. And he pitched against the Marlins on Tuesday. Cole Hamels is out for the season with an arm injury before he made an official appearance. So you have to wonder if he ever is actually going to come back or just announce his retirement. That could be our bullpen question of the week right there, or an answer to it. (laughs) And the Padres are taking a flyer on Jake Arrieta, announcing a deal with the veteran right-hander and hoping he gives them some depth down the stretch. It's a very low-risk deal for them, but you know, hoping eventually with all the injuries they had that he can fill a spot in that rotation there. But with all the negativity, you can find a lot of positivity at the content of Triple Play Fantasy. And if you want to hear more of that positive content, please make sure you check out all things on the Triple Play Fantasy Network. We've got our football and basketball podcast. Also check out our shows, the Super Fantasy Bros, Between the Seams with Marty and Mac. Obviously, that's a baseball show for you baseball folks listening right now. And the Tripwire. If you like the shorter content, we have our Coaches Corners, Fantasy Foodies, Movie Minutes, and much more you can check out on our YouTube channel. Of course, if you like reading and writing and uh looking at some articles, go to tripplayfantasy.com. We'll see tons of those from our talented writers. And of course, all of it you can find on the social media account at tripplayfantasy where everything will be tweeted out for you to catch what you like to see. Remember, if you're looking for a show that isn't going to treat your feelings like a discarded Snickers wrapper, then this show could be your happily ever after you've been searching for. And at least that's what my mom tells me. So we'll jump into an old man's game with our special guest, Mr. Micah Henry, Fantasy Central 1 right after this quick break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Woo! 
Welcome, everybody. Welcome into the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show coming at you on a Thursday evening on August 19th, 2021. Of course, you know D Mendy 2 in the building, joined, of course, by the doc at Triple Play Fantasy. Uh, he has a blanket on, so I don't know what he's doing. It's kind of a weird fashion statement. It's cold in my house, okay? Turn off the AC. It's <laughs> You shouldn't I, be cold. It's, it's August. I, yeah, I tell that to people that love the frigid temperature. Uh, well, I guess you're calling out your roommates without saying their names, which is respectable. But who cares about you, of course, because we've got a special guest that I love to introduce. And he's a friend of the show, and I have to introduce him the proper way as he's accustomed to on here on these programs. <laughs> we welcome in a man that remains central to you winning your fantasy league, a contributor for New Life Fantasy, Fantrax, NBC Sports Edge, and Rotor Ranks. This man is a busy bee. And you could also say a night owl as he's spitting out hashtag Micah notes every single night, rain or shine. A friend of Triple Play Fantasy, having been on a bunch of different programs. I think it's like been three or four different things on this channel. Yeah. It is yeah. Micah Henry. What's up, man? What's going on, man? Yes, yeah, it's, it's been, you know, we did the football uh, uh, DFS show back uh, last year. We did, you know, several, you know, guest appearances. It's, it's been a lot, a lot of different appearances. So I, I appreciate you having me on again. Yeah, of no. course, man. I think you started out with a, you did a baseball mock with us a, like a year ago. Yep. There you we go. The DFS shows we did, uh, we did a couple baseball videos for the YouTube and then now like one time where you're just the guest on the baseball pod. Yeah. Like you're yeah. a, you're a veteran around these. Parts. Yeah, I, I've, I've been here a lot, man. It's, it's always, it's always nice. I love, the, I love the, I love the intro. I love, I love everything about the show. You're man. a Marwin Gonzalez. You've played a lot of different <laughs> positions. I love it. I love it, man. <laughs> All over the diamond. And doc, I did want to say though, I do, I do. I connect with you there with the blanket. You know, I, I do this. I do the same thing. <laughs> the, the, that's, that central air is no joke, man. It, it, it gets cold sometimes. You know, I got, I got to put it on. So I know where you're coming from. First, you're, I, you're, I, you're on my side without bad. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I, it looks comfortable, but, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I always just stick to my t-shirts, but I guess, uh, you know, I, I respect it. I respect it because Micah does it now. So, uh, but, we got an awesome show planned for today. If, if everybody didn't see the awesome background that uh, our guy Toby Z Z Two Fantasy does, uh, we are talking about an old man's game today. So, on, let's face it, guys. It's uh, they. I know it's kind of cliche, but uh, these old timers they've continued to be doing big things this year. Mm-hmm. And um, my question to you guys, as we finish out the last five weeks of 2021, are these vets going to continue what they've been doing? Going into 2022 and beyond, obviously we're going to look at some changes they may have made in their profiles uh, to their games to maybe as they've aged to uh, accommodate for the changes in the game. Uh, without further ado, I want to jump into these guys because we've got nine players to get through here, and I want to hear your guys' thoughts on them. So let's first start out with Nelson Cruz, who's the definition of an ageless wonder, right? Nelson Cruz is 41 years of age, played 17 years in the big leagues. So far, and these stats were as of Tuesday evening, Wednesday morning. I did not have Wednesday night stats added in here, so just take one game off of each of these guys. But it was a 273, 347, 528 slash with an 874 OPS, has 26 homers and 66 RBIs, even has three stolen bases. So my question to you, Micah, is this somebody that's going to just keep producing until he does a David Ortiz and retires more because of injuries than production? I think so. I think it's going to be, I think he, I, you know what? I wouldn't even be surprised if he threw it on us this off season, just out of nowhere, you know, 
as you said, pull the David Ortiz, have a great season, then in offseason you just retire. Just be just to go off on like, you know, that high note. The twins didn't have a great season this year, you know, not much to celebrate in regards to the actual context of playing in the game of you know in, in the MLB. So I mean he probably, he's probably like, you know what, maybe I'll just go off on the high note. So we'll see. But I mean he he he'll probably be productive for as long as he continues to play. But yeah, he, he's he's a, he's a special talent for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, it's continually produced year after year. Doc, what are your thoughts about? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, this is the guy that hit the most home runs in the 2010 decade. Now he's probably not going to hit 40 plus, which we saw in you know the 2015, 2016, 2017 seasons. But he is 26 right now, so I figure he'll probably hit at least 30 this year, probably closer to that 35 range. His launch angle is up from last year. He actually has the second highest hard hit percentage of his career since 2015. And you look at him, he's just a big guy. He's 6'2", 230. So even if that hard hit percentage or the launch angle goes down, he's a big guy and can drive the ball. The fact that he plays DH every day means that he doesn't have the wear and tear on his body from fielding. I think he could go the David Ortiz route. I don't see him retiring this year just because he's so fun to watch and still has a lot left in the tank. So I would definitely take him next year. Yeah, I think some interesting things just looking also is his strikeout rate is the lowest it's been. Uh, goodness, since uh, 2010. Wow. Uh, he's his 20.5% strikeout rate for somebody of his caliber. He did have a 20.6% strikeout rate with Seattle in 2018. But uh, again, this is that strikeout rate is really good for a power hitter of his caliber. His walk rate, while it's, it's down a little bit from the last few seasons, still respectable, 9.5%. Obviously still has the power there, still has a pretty decent average. WRC plus of 133, which lines up to uh, what he did, uh, not the last few years, but before that, I mean, he, again, just looks like an ageless wonder. It looks like he's uh, somebody that's just, he knows the strike zone well, and he uh, he's, I'm very impressed when you look into his profile. Somebody that I think, again, I think we're all expecting potentially a David Ortiz type of route. His, ga- his game is ageless, but let me tell you, I actually looked at a picture of him yesterday. Man, it does he look old. <laughs> compared to what he used to look like yeah like there's gray in his beard he has wrinkles he looks tired like he is he is physically aged his game has not well why don't you tell him that to his face if i ever have the chance to i will <laughs> then i'll make sure i set the arrangements for your funeral okay that's all i ask all right well let's move from someone that's a certain as a hitter to maybe someone that's a little also certain as a pitcher someone that's an ageless wonder That's Adam Wainwright, who is 39 years of age, 16-year career. He's 11-7 with a 3-2-6 ERA, and he's pitched 154.2 innings this year with 141 strikeouts. So he's got under a K per nine, which obviously for fantasy isn't exactly what we like to hear. Some interesting things, though, if you look into his profile, he's got a 2-8-6 career home ERA compared to a 3-9-7 road ERA. So he's got over a run higher on the road. And that's carried over to this year to a 2.79 home ERA and a 4.12 road ERA this year. He also has a 3.38 career ERA for first and second half. So the exact same ERA in the first and second half in his career. Seems when you go into his profile, he goes a lot more off speed and different type stuff other than the fastball now as he's aged and he's lost velocity. Micah, when you look at Adam Wainwright, is this somebody that you think can just keep on pitching. He's got that rubber arm. What do you see in his profile? I, I just see him. He's still that same guy that, you know, that he was like that made him such a good pitcher, you know, for so long. That guy that can uh, sequence his pitches, that can, uh, knows how to, you know, attack certain hitters, attack left-hand hitters, uh, right-hand hitters, you know, 
just a guy that knows how to pitch in general. Always had that, you know, he always had that strong pitch ability, as they like to call it. So I mean, I what he's doing this season is not we most people didn't see it coming, but I I understand it. I get it just because of how good he's been his entire career, you know. Yeah, no, I mean he's been a staple in that rotation for the Cardinals for so long. Mm-hmm. Drafted in two thousand. Doc, when you look at Adam Wainwright, what do you see? So I think he's actually going to tail off next year, and it's not because he burned me in TGFBI as soon as I dropped him, he did well. But I look a little bit more into the metrics, and his ERA has actually been much lower than his expected ERA the past three seasons. In 2019, 4.19 ERA compared to 4.63 expected. 2020, it was 3.15 expected, was 4.52. And 2021 was 3.26, and it's expected 4.02. So he's gotten considerably lucky. And now, obviously, this year is Nolan Arenado, who's a great defender. Paul Goldschmidt is a solid first baseman as well. But I look at, he's prone to bad outings and stretches. So we talk about the beginning of this year. He had five plus earned runs in three out of his eight first outings. And right now he's at 154.2 innings pitched. The most he's had since twenty nine or since 2016 is 171.1. So he's probably going to pass that. So I'd be interested interested to see how he's pitching next year after coming off a year where he's thrown the most innings pitch in the last five years. I think he will be somewhat effective if he chooses to not retire, but I think we're going to see his ERA probably closer to that fours where it's expected to be rather than how he's gotten lucky. Well, now I will say looking at expected ERA isn't always what I like to look at. I like to look at XFIP and FIP a little bit more. When you look at his expected ERA, you can compare him to somebody like Kyle Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks has pitched way lower than his expected ERA his entire career. You look back since 2016, he's outpitched his expected ERA every single season. So there are just some players that doesn't necessarily always line up with what their expected ERA is just because they get a bunch of uh, low quality of contact and they're able to uh, to work the zone a lot better and, and they're able to get a lot of ground balls. And that's kind of what Hendricks has been doing. Wainwright, I think, kind of falls in that same boat. He's been outperforming his expected ERA, but when it happens this consistently, I don't think it's a fluke. I think it's something that he just has a gift and a natural tendency to be able to do with hitters and has that low quality of contact. If you look, his weak contact percentage is 2.7% this year, with Major League average being 3.7%. So uh, he's actually pitched under the Major League average three of the last four years. So I think that's what ties in. He also has an above average ground ball percentage. And again, we look at also just for most recent seasons, that curveball has been the main part of his pitch arsenal since 2018. The curveball, the sinker with a, a cutter mix in a four seamer isn't uh, utilized nearly as much as these other pitches. So I think that going that off speed approach has really worked well for him, kind of keeping hitters off balance. So I'm more confident in Adam Wainwright doing this uh, longer and more consistently. Those metrics don't scare me when I look into his profile, and I think he's somebody that you can trust. You can get what you're going to get with him. He's somebody that's uh, in a 15-team league. He's going to be somebody you're probably going to grab at the end of your drafts. 12-team league, you get him a little sooner, but he'll be somebody that should, at the end of the season, give you you know 10 to 15 wins and give you a, a mid to high three CRA. That's, I think, what you can expect from him. Yeah, and I just want to say a lot. A lot of these pitchers, these older pitchers, seem to just you know understand that you have to throw strikes at the end of the day. So like they'll they'll throw you a ninety mile per hour fastball down the, down the middle and see if you can hit it. Sometimes you might pop it up. Sometimes you might hit it for a home run. But you know they understand that at that point, at, at this point in their career, they have to take these chances. So you know having that you know that 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 no fear mentality kind of just helps them. You know sometimes have these 
you do, these these you know lucky outings that you, they shouldn't have, but they do have because they're kind of like pitching fearlessly. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I also want to say in the comments, always appreciate the love. Thank you so much for watching that video. Uh, QB one right there. I know this is not a uh, a football podcast. I appreciate you guys <laughs> checking those out. Uh, but let's talk about another pitcher or another sorry another hitter. Let's talk about Joey Votto. Thirty seven years of age, fifteen year career. Man. 282, 376, 570 slash with a 946 OPS, 26 homers, 76 RBIs. He's the first Canadian MLB player since Larry Walker to hit 300 homers and have a thousand career runs batted in. We know we've heard it in the offseason. He was selling out for power, cutting down his walk, spiking up some of his K rate that he didn't normally do in the past. But to be honest with you, I mean, this batting line, a 282 batting line with nearly 30 home runs. I mean, the guy doesn't seem like he's slowing down. Michael, what are your thoughts on Joey Votto? He's destroying fastball guys, fastballs, guys. He's, he's he's annihilating them, annihilating them. He has, I think, he has a what what what's it a, a ninety five point uh, four mile average exit velocity against fastballs, which is like I means he's like averaging a hard hit against you know each you know catch he makes against a fastball, which is kind of kind of crazy. I think twenty one of his twenty six home runs have come against fastballs. So I mean, he's you know he's just out there, you know. He, don't don't throw Vado a fastball. Just just don't do it. Don't <laughs> throw throw him off speed and breaking whatever. But yeah, he he's 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 transitioning himself into this you know this power hitter. He he's always been a guy that came for power, but now he's like a guy that's just like you know you want him for his power above all those. You know. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I mean, look if you go to his stat cast page, you need sunglasses because there's a lot of red in there. Yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty blinding <laughs> to be honest. I mean, his his barrel percentage top three percent of the league this year. And you could even look last season. It was actually the highest it had been in the last three seasons. And they had talked about the last few weeks of the year that he had already started undergoing that change, which might have represented mm-hmm. why it spiked up. And I mean, the average exit velocity, top 4% in the league, max exit velocity, top 8% in the league. I mean, d- the dude has a 52.7 hard hit percentage. Striking out, obviously, we talked about the strikeouts going up. It, it, he only had over a 20% strikeout rate once in his career in 2019. That's up to 24%. But that's still barely above the major league average. It's not like he's striking out 30% of the time. So uh, I, I love this Joey Votto. I think, obviously, the value on him is not going to be as good next year. But yeah. for right now, I mean, he he's looked like he's made some late-season tangible changes uh, going back to the last season. And I'm very happy with him if he stays as a, a first base and you can get kind of towards the end of your draft that people forget about. Doc, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, can we just talk about how great of a hitter he is? Like, it took him 13 seasons and 6,829 plate appearances to pop up to first base. Like, he is a great contact hitter, and we've seen the adjustment in his game as he has the highest launch angle, the highest barrel percentage, and the highest hard hit percentage of his career. And he plays in a hitter-friendly ballpark, too. The Reds have a very good hitting lineup. And we look at it, like you said, 281. That's not a bad batting average. I think we expected some more regression because he hit 226 last year and 261 the year before. But he's 37. You know, we started off talking about Nelson Cruz being 39 and still doing this. So who says Joey Votto can't do this for at least another couple of years? I think when you're a great hitter, you learn to adjust your game. And that's what we've seen with Votto. Yeah, Joey Votto. I think as far as hitters go that we're going to go through, he's somebody I feel very confident in just with the fact of the changes he's made. In his and I dropped him recently in fantasy. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. 
I was streaming hitters every day, and <laughs> and he was like out of the lineup, or like the Reds had an off day. I was like, all right, well, let me let me just like sign Miguel Cabrera, another vet, to take his spot. Miguel Cabrera had like a strikeout that game, and then Joey Votto goes on like a homer stretch. I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> yeah, there oh, you go, man. you missed that on that. I know. Let's talk about an aging closer, an Ian Kennedy, who's 36 years of age, 15 year career, three two six ERA. He's got 19 saves. And he's pitched 38.2 innings with 42 strikeouts so far this season. Somebody who actually uh, was the best closer in the American League, you could say, arguably, before he got traded to the Phillies. Obviously, had a couple rough outings early with the Phillies. But he's been, if you have him, you picked him up most likely as a free agent or you draft him in the last part of your draft. And you're reaping all the benefits of all those saves. Uh, Micah, Ian Kennedy, is this a mirage? Or or is this something that you're trying to smash into next season? Uh, You know... It's tough, man. Cause I mean, he, he has this, this, this high spin, you know, forcing fastball that he throws like 82% of the time. So, I mean, he's, he's like this guy that he's a fastball pitcher and he goes, he attacks you with the fastball every time. So, I mean, I, I don't know how pitchers will, attack, will, you know, respond to him next season, but I feel like for the rest of this season, you know, he'll, he'll be useful. But next season, I'm not, I'm not too confident in his, you know, in, in this approach that he has, even, even if his fastball is spinning like, the way it is. Do you guys remember when Ian Kennedy was a starter? Like yeah, went twenty one and four yeah. one year, yeah. Like way way back. I, I, I used to stream him. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, Good I mean, times. if when you look at Ian Kennedy's profile, I mean, obviously he's getting hit pretty hard, and uh, not exactly high strikeout. Obviously, a little over a K per nine, but he's not like he's not whipping batters at an elite rate by anything like any means. Uh, I, I'm not. There's not something. I'm, like you said, Micah, the spin rate on that fastball, but. He's somebody that I don't, I'm not jumping to go grab next year. I mean, his mm-hmm. ground ball percentage this year is a putrid 28%. Nice. Fly ball percentage is 37%. Uh, so way over the major league average. It's only a matter of time, I feel like, but those, for those fly balls catch up, especially when mm-hmm. you look at those home run fly ball percentages. He's doing terrible with the Phillies too. And like, he wouldn't have had many closing opportunities. Like the Rangers aren't in contention this year. So it's kind of like, okay, yeah, we'll just give it to this guy. I don't think he'd be a closer on most contending teams. Yeah. No, I mean, but the Phillies are as desperate usually as any, uh, any oh, team yeah. <laughs> closing. Yeah. I, I feel like you go to Philly, like there's a joke in football and sorry, this is the second football reference. If you're a Lions running back, you, or if you're a running back, you go to the Lions, you don't exist anymore. Like that's where you running backs go to die before Stefan Diggs, If you were a receiver and you went to Buffalo, that's where your career died. If you're a closer, you go to the Phillies. <laughs> That's where your career dies as a closer. Uh, I, I thought you were going to go another direction with Washington quarterbacks. I'm glad you didn't. No, no, no. No, um, even 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 as a Phillies fan, I, I laughed at that one. I liked that. <laughs> <laughs> I got good on that because it's true. I mean, <laughs> it, is, it is really wild. Um, <sighs> but uh, yeah, so Ian Kenny right this year is a 16% home run fly ball percentage. Just looking at him a little bit. Expected ERA is obviously a little bit higher, but the XFIP is almost is a run higher so yeah keep an eye on ian kennedy none of us are very confident with him let's talk about a hitter i believe i all right so when i first started watching baseball i would get this is like obviously years ago i would get jed lowry and brett lowry confused you You would too too? okay yeah yeah, and I always thought Brett Lowry was a better one just because he looked, I don't know, he looked cooler. I don't know. Yes, he, yeah. I, guess. I don't, I don't yeah. know. He had like a cannon, too. Yeah. He, he was kind of buffed, yeah. He's, he's like a cool-looking guy. I was is like, he yeah, he's trying to... Is he still in the league? No, he's been out of it for a while. 
Yeah, yeah. I think he's out of the league, unfortunately. Let, let's see what he last played. I'll look it up. Because I was like, what if he's like on a triple-A team or something that's just struggling? Like, I feel, I like, feel like, like if you're a vet, you don't stay in triple-A too long. You're like, all right, my my career's over. So he <laughs> retired when, um, he... he retired after the 2016 season at age 26. Oh, he retired at 26? Jeez, I didn't know that. That's kind of sad. Wow. Did well, I mean, I don't it? know, retired or, or whatever. I think I follow him on our Instagram account. I'll write to him and ask. There you go. Send him a DM. See what he says. I uh, I put out a tweet. I was like, "You uh, you're a real fancy baseball player if you remember blank player." And someone put his name, and then they put a video which I didn't remember it was from I guess like earlier in the 2010s, where it was two horrible strike calls to strike him out when he should have. And he was walking both times. He was like dropped the bat and was running to first. And I don't know if the umpire was just trying to show him up by calling those both strikes. But he literally threw his helmet at him, his batting yeah. helmet. Like he took maybe his that. Maybe off. that's why he retired. <laughs> chucked it, chucked it at the dude, at, uh, at the uh, at the umpire. And I was like, God, how did I not remember that? The dude is a loose cannon. Man, uh, yeah, he kind of looks like it. That, that's a lot of Brett Lowry talk. Let's talk about Jed Lowry, <laughs> who uh, is thirty-seven years of age, thirteen-year career, two sixty-one, three thirty-four, fourteen slash, with a seven forty-eight OPS, thirteen home runs, and sixty-two RBIs. The man's obviously hurt like half the time, but when he's in there, somehow always strangely just produces. So, Michael, what do you think about Jed Lowry? So as I looked at his profile, and he has like career best quality of contact across the board. I'm like, all right, well, I guess he's, I guess he's joined this crowd of like these veterans that are finding power later in their careers. And I'm and I, you know, thought about it. I was like, I wonder if these, you know, veterans that came in the league in like you know early 2000, 2005, 2006. That didn't have the type of, uh, you know, technology and type of, you know, machinery that can help batters become better hitters or become better power hitters, you know. And with the launch angle, you know, launch angles going up in recent years, these are like, you know, veterans joining this kind of, you know, this kind of new era of hitting and now they're hitting for power. So, I mean, I think that's what this is kind of happening with Lurie. He's kind of like just becoming like this guy that hits for power now. It's kind of interesting to, you know, to see what happens, see how it happens. Are you yeah. trusting him next season? Like, are you looking to draft him at any point in any of your fantasy drafts? I, yeah, I think, I think if, if he finishes the season with the quality of contact still looking as strong as it is, you know, staying steady, I don't see, I have, I have no problem, you know, as long as he has, you know, a spot where he can get regular playing time, I have no problem, you know, targeting him, targeting him at the right, uh, at the right ADP. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I don't usually have too much of Dead Lowry, but I think at yeah, the right price is definitely acceptable there. Mm. He always starts out hot and then just falters off. Well, this year he didn't have yeah. any type of hot start. Wasn't he hurt like for most of the season? He, he, then... he had a, he had a middle stretch in the season where he was hot, and I spent some fab on him. And then, all right. Well, next guy, a, another closer here. That's Mark Belanson, thirty-six years old, thirteen-year career. He's got a two-one-five ERA, and he saved thirty-four games this year has been the closer pickup of the year. Pitched uh, to 50.1 innings and 45K, so he's not a strikeout guy. Obviously, he gets a, he's a ground ball pitcher. But him being the... I don't. I have to double-check if he's on a, in a contract year and only on a one-year deal with the Padres or if he's locked in for longer than that. Uh, so while I look that up, Michael, why don't you tell me about Mark Melanson? It's, I'm sure his ADP is going to rise up a ton from what it was. Is this somebody you'll be interested in as a closer candidate for next year? I I say it depends on 
as as you said, you know, the contract situation and if he, you know, if he's staying with them or not, or if he's going to be, you know, on some other, uh, some other team next year. So it depends, you know, solely on where, where he's at. But in regards to, you know, his actual skills, I think wherever he goes, if he, if he does somehow find himself in a position where he is closing for, uh, some, some team in MLB, I think he'll definitely do the same thing he's doing this year. He's still, you know, as you said, you know, getting grand balls at a high rate. This guy has, you know, a lot of closer experience. Uh, solid command of his pitches. So, I mean, as long as he's, you know, in that position to be a closer, I think he'll definitely be a somewhat reliable, I mean, pretty reliable source of saves. Is he in a contract here, David? Uh-oh, David froze, which means I'm taking over this show. Yeah, for Mark Melanson, I mean, this is somebody that typically sometimes has a, a high walk percentage. You don't really like that as a closer, putting men on base. I thought his career was over a couple of years ago when he started out with the Giants in 2019, only getting one save. Mm-hmm. But he's, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I was very big on Emilio Pagan this year. Mm-hmm. I thought that he was kind of the dark horse coming out of the bullpen. I, I think Drew Pomeranz was a dark horse for some people as well. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting that Melanson has picked up you know, the bulk of the saves for a team that we thought was going to get a lot of save opportunities. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see. I, I actually do want to pick up and see where, if Melanson is on a one-year deal or not. I was like, David, it doesn't take you this long to um, do this. So he is on a one-year $3 million contract. So, Micah, if he stays with the Padres, how high would you draft him? Like, where where would he be in your closer tiers? He'd be in like if I if I if I made you know if I made my tiers official he'd be in like top tier uh uh three or four he'd be in that area just because of that solid reliability that, that experience he'd be he'd be a guy that I'm definitely looking to draft like you know as the draft goes on and I I, I had no problem with if he, if I like if I draft him as my guy to be my RP uh one I I'd, I'd have no problem with it. So I, I think Hater's established himself as the top closer and then maybe Liam Hendricks I know Kimbrell is there to save. Where would you put him after that? Is he top five for you? Is he top ten? Top, I'd say somewhere around top fifteen, top twenty-ish, somewhere around that area. That's that's where I'm seeing him. You know, somewhere around top fifteen, top yeah, that area for sure. Okay, and you know the good thing about this is, and, and doing TGFBI is that you can get saves in later rounds. Mm-hmm. You know, someone like him or uh, Jake McGee. That's been a very valuable source. Obviously, the haters and the Chapmans are top tier, but you can still get a source of save later. Let's go to Yuli Gurriel and talk about another ageless wonder. This guy has kind of come out of nowhere uh, the past couple of years. He's in a, in a good Houston lineup. Now, he is 36 or 37 years old. So, Micah, how are you feeling about him next year? Are you going to draft him? I'll draft him because his profile is so consistent. He's he's a he's a professional contact hitter, and he's a one of those contact contact hitters that knows how to hit for power when it matters. You know, so he'll not he's not going to be like you know hitting three hundred with five home runs. He'll get you know he'll try to challenge twenty home runs, and he'll you know have solid counting stats to go along with it. Hitting in a good lineup. So I mean, yeah, uh, he'll 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 be higher priced than he was this season, but definitely a guy that I'm looking to target. Yeah, and you know it's interesting. He didn't make his major league debut till he was 32 years old, and this is his sixth professional season. So a lot of times people think like, "Oh, well, if he didn't debut till 32, why isn't he, you know, uh, more of a consistent, you know, force?" But I look at him, and he actually has the highest walk percentage of his career. Uh, he has the lowest K percentage of his career, and he's consistent with his launch angle. It's been around about 14 percent. He has a 36 percent hard hit percentage. 
And, you know, I was actually down on the Houston Astros lineup this year. I thought Altuve would get hurt a decent amount, that Yuli, or um, that Jordan Alvarez with his degenerative knees, that losing George Springer. And they've looked really good. And, and keep in mind that they're missing Justin Verlander. I mean, they have bounced back very well. And he's 37. Once again, I, I know I brought this point up earlier. But when we're talking about Nelson Cruz that's 39 and still putting up great stats, right. I think that somebody going into their age 38 season, you've seen other people do it. So it's there's not as much hesitancy. I'm very big on Yoli Gurriel as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I there there was a stretch where he was third base eligible, right? Or am I crazy? Yeah. I, he, I, you know, if you would have asked me right now, if if he was, if he was third base eligible, I would have told you yes. So, so I feel like that, <laughs> I, I feel like there's definitely a time where, where he was. Man, there, there's the the players that are the multi position eligibility. There is just a special place. And as David <laughs> mentioned, his internet has gone out, but he's hitting uh, over 300 this year. Yes, he is the highest on base percentage of the year by or of his career by far, 379 compared to 343. The slugging percentage is down a little bit, but once again, the most of his uh, metrics look pretty good. Go Astros! No Toby Astros, would own yeah. support. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was actually about to do a little fist pump just to just to support him. But uh, no, no, go ahead. Go, no Astros, boo! Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> no Astros. We root for them to to lose the rest of their game so I can hit my bet. But we are going to finish out with two more players. We got a hitter and a pitcher, and we got the ginger, the red rocket, the ageless wonder of the NL West. We're talking about Mr. Justin Turner, Micah. What are your thoughts going? Or with him going into the 2022 season, stud, 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 stud. As long as long as, long as he stays healthy, man. I'm, that's been that's been the only thing. And then you look, you look at his profile; everything is so consistent with past seasons. You're like, this guy is just doing what he's been doing his entire career. So I mean, yeah, as, as long as he's as healthy, man, I'll, I'll definitely be uh, targeting him in my draft for sure. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is he is the, and, and you know we kind of have a joke here uh, in Baltimore when players leave, especially pitchers. You know, the Kevin Gosmans, the Jake Arrietas, even the Josh Haters. You leave Balt even Dylan Bundy last year, you leave Baltimore and you're suddenly a new player. And I mean, Justin Turner, this is a guy that's hit at least two ninety his last five seasons. He's hit three hundred, three out of those five plus years, twenty homers three out of those five seasons. Now obviously with the pandemic, I and I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head. The main question with him is the durability and availability. Played 42 out of 60 games last year, so less than 75%. Played 103 in 2018. I'm kind of interested to see because, you know, they have Trey Turner locked up for the long run. They have Corey Seager. I don't want to say they've given up on Gavin Lux yet. Cody Bellinger is going to have a spot in the infield as well. Micah, are you worried that he's not going to be an everyday player moving forward and that he might, you know, be platooning or maybe three out of four days to preserve his longevity? I think as long I think as long as he's in as long as he's in the league he'll definitely have uh, you know regular opportunities. I think where, wherever he's playing, if it's with the Dodgers or another team, he'll have you know a path to uh, uh, regular ABs. I just think he's he's too too good too special of a hitter you know to keep out of the lineup. You know. Yeah, and I correct me if I'm wrong. He was the World Series MVP last year, right? Was he? That that would, that would make sense. I would I would I would yeah. We, we got a question from Toby: Is Max Muncie Justin Turner from the left side with a little bit? That better power tool. And we say that as we welcome in David. Oh, well, David's gone. So, Mr. <laughs> Fantasy Central 1, I'm going to divert this question to you. Justin Turner on this side with a little better power tool. 
I I mean, different different play discipline approaches for sure. But I mean, I, I see I see I see where it's coming from. I see where they're coming from. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah, I see where it's coming from. I mean, Max Muncy strikes out a, at a pretty high rate. Or he, I know his, his K rate is lower this year than years past. Justin Turner has been a pretty uh, good uh, contact hitter. And as we say that, we welcome in David. Welcome back, buddy. Oh, man. Uh, internet <laughs> oh, man, was David. a problem just now. Hey, it's, <laughs> it's all good. We carry the show. We talk some Yoli Gurriel. We finished some Mark Melanson. Now we're finishing Justin Turner. And we're going to go to the final guy. Mr. Charlie Morton. So, David, take oh, it man. away. Up, oh, David's internet is back out. Uh, it's going is in it? and out. It's going in and out. I, I was <laughs> Charlie Morton, thirty-seven years of age, fourteen-year career, eleven and four, three four nine ERA, and uh, he's actually pitched a hundred thirty-four innings with one hundred fifty-five strikeouts. So, healthy strikeout with the innings pitch he's done this year. He was going to retire as recently as last year. And he's coming back. He just keeps coming back. Oh, and that means where David's internet goes out again. So, Charlie Morton pitching with the Braves. He had a rough start to the year. Uh, this is his first time being in the NL since the 2016 season. And he's had a very, very good stretch recently. The Braves have kind of been resurgent. I think a lot of people wrote off their season after losing Ronald Acuna. They made some very savvy trades, getting Jorge Soler, Eddie Rosario when he comes off the I.L., so, Micah, what are your thoughts about Charlie Morton going into 2022? Man, I don't know if he's going to be in the league, man, to be honest. I, you really he, think so? Yeah, he, he was talking about retiring. Uh, what, what was it, last, this, this past uh, offseason? I think, you know, if the Braves don't really do much in the playoffs, if they get to the playoffs and they say they go out in the first, you know, the first series, first round, I think he might consider retiring again. They might, you know, those rumors might come back to the surface and it might actually come into fruition. So I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not really – I mean, if if he does come back, I think he's definitely a guy I'm tar- targeting as you know SP three, SP two. But I'm I don't know if he's coming back. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So here's why I do think he comes back, even if the Braves don't win at all. He got a one year, fifteen million dollar contract. Can you guys like that, hear that's me? a we can hear you. We just yeah. can't see it, David. I mean, that's that's a good amount of money to make for a one year deal, and especially the way that he's pitching. Like a lot of people, and Charlie Morton isn't someone that's made hundreds of millions of dollars. Like I, I think. If you can still get a bag, if he can sign a one-year 12 mil or a two-year 20 and pitch until he's 38, 39 years old, I think he's going to do that. I'm actually very high on him. Now, if you guys remember, he had a right shoulder strain last year with the Rays, and he wasn't nearly as effective, and he actually spent some time on the IL. And I think that showed in April because four out of his first seven outings, he had four-plus earned runs, but he went five innings plus in six out of those seven outings. So for me, that was really encouraging that he wasn't set back by that shoulder strain, which we've seen a lot of people that from the shortened season and ramping up their bodies have had more serious injuries and haven't bounced back. Right. Now, he kind of hit the rock bottom against the Phillies this season in his seventh start when he went point two and had six earned runs. But after that, he's had 17 outings. He's gone five innings plus and in at least 15 of them. He's had four runs or he's had less than four runs in three out or 15 out of those 17 as well. He has a good K percentage. He's allowing less than a home run per nine. So we, as we talk about with older pitchers, the location is good. He's throwing strikes and he's facing the NL pitchers. Like I I think that's something that you can't overstate when one out of every nine hitters you get to face is a pitcher that doesn't want to go up there and hit. And he could be what Adam Wainwright is. So David, what are your thoughts on Charlie Morton? 
Oh, I get to sit in the analysis chair? What is this? Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm doing the question in the game of the week after, so I might as well just take over. Yeah, no, I mean, Charlie Morton, as long as he's going to pitch, I'm going to draft him. Uh, you were out on him this year. Don't cover up. No, I'm saying, like, I am I mean, it comes at a price. Like, I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, I'm going to overdraft him, but it's not somebody I'm not drafting. He's somebody that, again, at the right price, I'm always going to take because He's shown you ever since he made the changes since he came from Pittsburgh um, that he's made the changes necessary to become a better pitcher. Mm-hmm. And he's somebody that again has showed that he's durable for the most part. Uh, he's pitched, he's been consistent, and he's been somebody that I would roster as a, a fourth or fifth starter on most teams. So, um, again, I'm not going to jump over the moon and the stars to go draft him, but um, that consistency, again, 155 strikeouts and 134 innings is no joke at 37 years of age. We already talked about Adam Wainwright, who's two years older and has under a strikeout for nine. So he'll play, and I'll take Charlie Morton. So let me ask you guys, because he's on a one-year deal with Atlanta right now. If he signs with an AL team, are you dropping him down your rankings a little bit? No. Um, mm. I mean, I mean, he was he was he was uh, he was doing this thing with the uh, with the Rays. I, I feel like he'll as as long as it's not like I don't know. I, I yeah. I, I mean, as long as he's playing, I I think I think he'll be a guy that that uh, that I'll definitely be targeting. As long as he doesn't go to the Angels, where starting pitchers go to die. True, yeah. David, you were you weren't there when we talked about uh, the Orioles, how pitchers, especially when they leave Baltimore, are good. And I was like, Justin Turner, like as soon as he left the O's, he's a stud. You know, yeah. the haters, the Ariettas, the Gosmans, all of them. But I don't know about you guys talking about these Wiley vets and these nine MLB players that are older than me. And let's face it, we're older than a lot of them now. Makes me feel kind of young. What about you guys? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, well, I, I, I should feel young. <laughs> yeah, Michael, didn't you, aren't you like, uh, aren't you just graduating college? No, I graduated high school. I'm like 18. Come on now. I'm, I'm, I'm a young guy. <laughs> Are you really 18? No, 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 no. I'm, 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 I'm officially, t- I'm 23. I'm 23. But I'll be, I'll be graduating college hopefully in like three semesters, man. But we'll, we'll All right. So you are young in the industry. All right. Now yeah. we're going to end this segment because I feel old talking to you. Um, <laughs> and David probably feels like a grandpa. But good discussion, and we'll have to revisit this. We'll see if any of these answers are for our question of the week. The fun part of the show, we are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight, an affiliate sponsor of Triple Play. Make sure you use code Triple Play to get David a matchup of 50% of your deposit. Brad and I are going to be starting the DFS shows again, I promise you. We're going to give you some bagels and locks. There you go, a nice little pun. But our you question you say, if you have to say it, you ruin it. So that's <laughs> on you. Okay. All right. Well, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our question of the week, outside of Albert Pujols, which player do you see retiring in 2021? Micah, you're the guest. I'm going to start with you. Who's hanging it up after this season? Man, I hate to say the first player that comes to mind because we already talked about it so much. Because you just talked about him, but Charlie Wharton. I, I, I think it's, I think it's, I think he's going to, uh, I think he's going to, you know, I think he's going to consider it again. I, I don't know if it's going it's to happen, but if he, if his guy is considering it season before, then has, you know, plays an entire season, I think it's going to have to come up 
back in his mind again. So I think it's definitely possible that he could be the guy that doesn't come back. All right. So bonus points. How does he announce his retirement? Is it via social media? His agent releasing a message, a press conference? I think he's gonna like get like one of those uh, blips put in the air, just, <laughs> just, just say I I retired. <laughs> Charlie Orton is retired, and then we'll 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 no, we'll no. But no, I, I think I think uh, I don't know. I tweeted out. Okay, okay, David, who's your pick? That was mine too. Charlie Morton literally said he was retiring after uh, the season was over. What was it? The uh, year with the Rays. So here he is announced once that he was planning on retiring, which makes me think. If the Braves go on a run and they don't win it this year, he's going to retire after this year and be done. So mm-hmm. uh, I think he's going to do it over an Instagram post, but that's what everybody says <laughs> Instagram post. Okay. So Charlie Morton Instagram post, lock it and put the money on that. <laughs> All right. Does Charlie Morton have Instagram? That's going to be our next thing that we look at. Now, for me, I have two, and I, I think they're both pretty much – one is definitely a lock, and my first is Ryan Zimmerman because the Nats won the uh, – the Nats won the 2019 World Series. He opted out of the 2020 season due to the pandemic. And I think he wanted to play one more season. And the Nationals are in a full rebuild now. Outside of Juan Soto, they don't really have any promising players. He's won a ring there. He's, you know, has probably all the records in the books. I don't see a really a need for him there anymore since they're not competitive. And this is going to be one out of left field. It's Clayton Kershaw. Hmm. No. The injuries are starting to mount up for him. The, the, Camel is off his back or the elephant's off his back because he's won a World Series ring. I mean, I, I want to check for how many um, how many uh, innings he's pitched this year, but I feel like it has to be one of the lowest of his career. And you actually had an article that came out before last season because they were saying like, hey, you've had this really great run. You're not as dominant anymore. And he basically said like, I'm I'm not letting whether I win a World Series or not define me. So if he doesn't pitch another game this year, this will be the lowest amount of innings pitched that he's done in a full season since his rookie year in 2008. So I I don't know. I just think the tea leaves are lining up for Clayton Kershaw to call it a career. He's 33, will be 34 when the season starts. So I feel, I feel like it's too, it's too, too soon. I'd be, I'd be so I, sad. I'd be so sad, man. I don't know. I mean, look, it's he's not the pitcher that he was anymore. I mean, he has a yeah. three three ninety RA. He's not going to be a pitcher that's in the twos. But I mean, that's the unfortunate thing about sports and how many innings he's thrown over the years. It just adds up. Yeah. And True. a lot of his injuries have been rotator cuff, shoulder, arms. It's not like he's having sprained ankles or things along that nature. I I hope I'm wrong. It's just kind of what my gut said. But good discussion. We'll be interested to see at this point next year if we're right or not. We're going to go to the game of the week hosted by myself. And what this game is going to be is I have for each team, the last player that ranked in the top five in MVP voting and the last that voted that ranked in the top five in Cy Young. So, for example, let's say I said, all right, who is the last Cleveland Guardians pitcher to place top five in Cy Young voting? You go Shane Bieber. So what I'm going to do, because I have every team on here, it's going to be the first to five. So if I say, you know, last Cleveland pitcher, you buzz in with your name, you get a guess. If you get it right, you get a point. If not, the other person gets a chance to guess. Pretty easy, right? Sounds yeah, good. That's fair. Yeah, I think All right. So the first, the last Texas Rangers player to rank top five in MVP voting. Do we just call our name out? or Yeah, call we- your name in. David. Uh, David. Okay. Mark Teixeira. 
Nope. Micah? I'm going to have to say Adrian Beltre. Adrian Beltre is right. 2012 season. There you go. All right. The next one. The last Baltimore Orioles pitcher to rank top five in Cy Young voting. Uh, Ibaldo Jimenez? Incorrect. David. Eric Bedard. Incorrect. It is Zach Britton. Uh, what the? Guys, oh, yeah, guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. You guys each only get one guess in 2016. Yeah, you're right. In 2016. Wow. All right. The last, or the last Seattle Mariners player to finish top five in MVP voting. David. David. Ichiro. Incorrect. Micah. I don't know, man. Uh, Ken Griffey? <laughs> Incorrect. You guys want another guess? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to guess... Uh, Micah, you don't have to wait for David, by the way. Okay. I don't know. Oh, wait. Phyllis oh, Hernandez. Ah. Incorrect. That's, that's what? what I, that's what I would have said. Uh, that's exactly what I would have said. Man. Micah gets one more guess, and if he gets it wrong, we're going to go to the next. I don't know. I don't know. Robinson Cano in 2014. Bro, uh, uh, Gosh, maybe maybe we'll go down to whoever gets four first. This is embarrassing. <laughs> no, we'll be we'll be good. We'll be good. All right, the last Chicago White Sox pitcher to place top five in Cy Young voting. Well, that should be Lucas Giolito. Incorrect. That'd be too obvious hmm. for Eric's answers. I'm gonna say. Oh, true. True. I'm going to say it's um, Mark Burley. Incorrect. You guys want one more guess? Yeah. Do you want a hint? Uh, yeah, give us a hint. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. was number five last year. All right. Jeez. Cause I, who was, oh, um, who was, uh, who was last year? Oh, my God. Who was good last year? Uh, Lance Lynn? Incorrect. Uh, he was with Texas last year. Oh, yeah. True. He goes Texas. Dang. I don't know. Guys can't remember one year ago. This is embarrassing. No, I am embarrassed. No, I am embarrassed. No, I got my guess. Are you timing out? Mike, I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna give it to you. It's it's I'm Liam, a, it's Liam it's Liam Hendricks. It is Hendricks? not. It is not. <laughs> oh. So another X on this one, it's Dallas Keichel. Dallas Keichel. He finished fifth in Cy Young voting last year. He's not that good of a pitcher, so I didn't think of him. <laughs> That's the problem. All right. Well, I, I'm trying to give you guys hard ones instead of the easy ones. Oh, man. All right. That's the easier ones. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'll do it to get a little bit more of your confidence back up. The last <laughs> Toronto Blue Jay player to finish top five in MVP voting. Gosh, this is an easier one. Um, oh, David. David. Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson is correct. Nice. 2016. Nice. It's one to one. How about we do uh, first to three? That's fair. good. All right. All right. I'll give you guys a little bit more harder ones then. The last Braves pitcher to finish in the top five of Cy Young voting. David. David. Is it Mike Soroka? Incorrect. 
Micah. Man, this is bad. Uh, shoot. Art, you're going to have a lot of editing to do. <laughs> I don't know. Speaking um, of Joey Votto, he had another home run tonight. Oh, really? That's 27. Um, I don't know. I'm going to draw an exit. I'm drawing a blank. How am I, how am I drawing a blank? I'm, try, I'm trying to think of the, 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 the Braves rotations of the past. I just can't think of them. I don't know. David. Blank. All right, David. Craig Kimbrell. Incorrect. It's Max Fried, who placed fifth in 2020 in Cy Young. I, I, I wouldn't guess that. I wouldn't guess that. <laughs> All right. Still one-to-one. The last Colorado Rockies pitcher to place top five in Cy Young voting. Micah? That, Micah. That has to be Hermana Marquez. Incorrect. Wow. David? No, that, that, no. David. Ubaldo Jimenez. Uh, Incorrect. Oh, that's what I'm I'll give you guys a hint. It's from 2018. David. David. John Gray. Incorrect, even though I do love John Gray. Man, these are good, some good guesses. I thought I thought the last two were going to be it. Uh, 2018. 2018. Oh, was it? Was it? No. Nah, nah. Guess. I, I, I don't know if he, was, if he was good that year. Was it? Nah, it's was Kyle Freeland. It is Kyle Freeland. Oh, wow. Look at that. <laughs> look at yep. that. Wow. Yep, that was I Kyle Freeland's that. breakout year. I, I that, think was, that was the year. Yep. So Micah's got two. David's got one. Micah gets one more. The game is over. The last Detroit Tigers hitter to to go top five in the MVP. And I'll give you a hint. It's not Miguel Cabrera. So you can save your guess. Top five. Tigers. Uh, uh. I'm going to guess... Since we have Placido Polanco on tomorrow's Placido Polanco. Oh no, no, he, he actually he never finished top five. His good year, he was seventeenth in MVP voting. Uh, was how long was Prince Fielder? Is it is it him? It is not Prince Fielder. You guys want a hint? Yeah, it's from twenty fourteen. Oh man, that's the year that I started playing fantasy. Maglio or <laughs> Incorrect, Mikey. You got one more guess. Otherwise, we're going to go to the next one. Mm. Yeah, I'm out. I don't know. It is Victor Martinez. Uh, mm. oh. Yeah, he finished right, second that year. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. He, he, fin- he, he finished second that year. All right. The last Arizona Diamondback to finish top five in the NL MVP voting. Paul Goldschmidt. Incorrect. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Incorrect. Mikey, you got two guesses. Zach Gallon? Incorrect. Yeah, there's no way he did that. Uh, it's a good thing we're not going to five for this. This is going to be the last one. <laughs> we should have, we, we got to wrap it up. <laughs> well, if it's the last one, then you lost, David. I know, but we'll see if Micah gets it. I'm 
Start away again. Nope. Ketel Marte in 2019. <sighs> Bro, I thought that was way too obvious. <laughs> I thought that was way too obvious. You never uh, know with me sometimes. But since David is waving the white flag because he realized he's very bad at this game, Mike is the winner! I wish I had my soundboard. Yay! Woo! Yeah, good job, Micah. That was a, These guys. a good performance. <laughs> bad performance from both of us, but you had better bad performances. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the show tonight, man. We really appreciate you coming on. For sure, man. Thanks for having me on. This was fun. And Micah, because David's mic is being a little bit bad right now, you want to tell them where you can find you, you know, where on social media, any projects, anything that you're working on? Yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at uh, FantasyCentral1. I write for uh, NewLifeFantasy.com, uh, RotorRace.com, uh, NBC Sports Edge, and the Fantrax. And uh, I have a football podcast that's starting tomorrow. That's going to be streaming live on my Twitter at, Fan- at FantasyCentral1. Um, every should be every week. You know, it should be every Friday every week. So definitely look out for that. And, Micah, I just want to know, how many hours of sleep oh, do you get oh. at night? I, I I miss I, I so much so much stuff. I, I I forgot about Mike and those guys. Definitely continue to check out Mike and those, please. You know I, I appreciate all the support. You know all the um you know all, all the all the support that Mike and those has received this season is greatly appreciated. And yeah, continue to check those I, out. I, I gotta say I do love the Mike and notes and congrats on getting verified. I think that was oh, you know well you, deserved. And uh, th- those Mike and notes, you know, you touch on some guys that I think uh, in the fantasy baseball community we really want to know more about. You know the, the Tyler McGill's. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the people that kind of fly under the radar, uh, for those that are listening live, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. We have a great double header. We have Placido Polanco coming on at 8am Eastern standard time. And we have Danny Woodhead coming on at nine. And if you're listening to the podcast version, these are going to be out in a couple weeks. So make sure you listen. We got a couple great interviews coming up. We're talking with some more guests coming. We will be back next week with another great episode. So make sure you tune in, enjoy the last five weeks of baseball, and to steal David's line, we're going to make like a bread truck and haul these buns. Catch you next week.